I had no business being in that game. Well, Pedro Martinez is on the mound on short rest. Being the ace and being the leader of the pitching staff and the team, I felt like it was important that I showed up in the bullpen to let everybody know that if anything happens, if there is a situation or the situation calls for it, I will sacrifice my career, I will sacrifice my arm, I will sacrifice whatever I was feeling. It's 2004, Game 7 of the American League Championship Series. Arguably the most intense and storied rivalry in sports history, the Boston Red Sox against the New York Yankees. Now, if you remember this series, it was a fairy tale ride for Boston. The Red Sox were down three games to none on the brink of elimination. And then in game four, they come back in the ninth, they win it in extras, and then they eventually tie up the whole series. And now the Sox are in a do or die situation against the Yankees the most decorated dynasty in baseball history. Red Sox ace at the time, Pedro Martinez, is unexpectedly called to the mound. Further on this uh, strange move, maybe Pedro asked to come in the game. It's the seventh inning. Boston is up eight to one. There seems like absolutely no reason to put your ace in the game now, right? especially when he had just played in the last game. Remember, all I had was a day rest. I had just pitched in Boston. I had a day rest. Martinez never expected to play in this game. He almost had no time to warm up. And while he is considered one of the best pitchers of all time, in those years, the Yankees and their fans, they were like kryptonite for Martinez. And the Yankees jumped on him as soon as the inning started. Matsui rips it down into the corner. I was in trouble. I wasn't feeling right. Williams hits it into right center field. Damon on the run. This ball off the wall. Back-to-back doubles. And the Yankees are alive here in the seventh, now down by six. But it's time to put it aside and risk it all and see what comes out of it. And this stadium is just come alive. Yankees fans, they just hated Martinez, and they would taunt him endlessly. And by bringing Pedro in the game, you get the crowd back in there. Yeah, right. Who's your daddy? Boom, 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 boom. All 60 chanting, who's your daddy? It's now the bottom of the seventh inning, and Pedro Martinez has just given up two runs to the Yankees, and the crowd has come alive. They are deafening. But what Yankees fans don't realize? I wanted you to be loud, because that could distract anybody else but me. All that chanting is fueling Martinez. And I was accustomed to having that type of pressure. Pedro Martinez has woken up 55,000 in this crowd. Little did they know that chanting, Pedro, Pedro, worked to my advantage. Now it is time for Pedro to turn it on and get the Red Sox out of this inning with a lead. And John Olrood is going to come off the bench and bat for Tony Clark. But I don't know that Olrood was used to hearing so much noise on top of him on every pitch. Because at that moment, it's just between me and Olrood. 
and I knew Allroot was a good hitter. Allroot homered off Pedro Martinez in game two. It is personal at that point. Allroot takes a strike, 89 miles per hour from Martinez. I said, I'm gonna see my talent against your talent in a do or die situation. I see if you can handle the best out of me against the best out of you. Well, he is letting it fly. This is old Pedro velocity. Two out, 95 from Pedro Martinez. And with that, Martinez strikes out Olerud, wraps up the inning, and the Red Sox go on to win game seven. The Boston Red Sox have won the pennant. The Boston Red Sox earned this celebration here at Yankee Stadium with the biggest comeback in postseason baseball history. This is In the Moment from Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green. Each week, we go inside the mind of an athlete in one of the most important moments in their career. And this week, my guest is Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez and how he helped the Boston Red Sox win that ALCS and go on to win their first World Series since 1918, of course, breaking the curse of the Bambino. I participated in that victory that finally got the monkey of our back and sent the Yankees with the same pain that we had the previous year. Even after the Red Sox beat the St. Louis Cardinals in the World Series that year, it was the ALCS series rivalry against the Yankees that sticks with most fans. Coming up next, a question many fans still have. Why was Pedro Martinez even put into that game seven to begin with? I never thought, never came across my mind that I would go into the game. Why would you put me in position to fail? We'll have more when we return. Experiencing the news each day can feel like a journey. With Up First from NPR, it doesn't have to be. Welcome to 15 easy minutes of breaking news, clarity on international and national affairs, all handed over not from some floating voice in the sky, from us, Layla, A, Steve, and me, Rachel. Start your day informed. Subscribe to Up First wherever you get your podcasts. Pedro Martinez is a three-time Cy Young winner, an eight-time All-Star and American League MVP. His career is nothing short of amazing. With all his accolades and accomplishments, still, something that sticks with fans is that 2003-2004 Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. The who's your daddy chance, the Don Zimmer controversy, which we'll get to later. But what I still can't believe is that Pedro himself had no idea that he was going to be in Game 7 at Yankee Stadium. The Red Sox manager at the time, Terry Tito Francona, and general manager Theo Epstein, never gave him a reason why. Did you know that that Francona was going to try and, and put you in at some point? I mean, was it even a possibility? Well, when I saw the big lead, only if it was a live or die situation, I thought I could have been in. But not in that situation. Eight to one, eight to nothing. And... Uh, you know, in the fifth inning, past the fifth inning, we had a bullpen that, that was literally untouchable after that. I didn't see the need. I had no business being in that game, but 
like you, I'm still searching for an answer. <laughs> I'm still searching why, why did Tito decide to bring me in? I'm still searching why. What was the reason? And you haven't gotten an answer after all these years? After all these years, not Tito, not Theo Epstein, not the pitching coach. Nobody has explained to me why was I in that game uh, pretty much one-sided with a bullpen that was relatively fresh. I mean, do you think it was like your game five was not great, even though the Sox ended up winning? Do you think they wanted to give you like a final kind of a final moment to, to leave the Sox with a positive? I mean, if... if you know, but I mean, you were going to go into the World Series, of course. So I guess that wasn't it. What, what were they trying to do? It's actually really confusing to me, too. You are as confused as I am. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't know if they wanted to, I don't know, uh, somewhat get me away from getting the start that I was supposed to get if I didn't pitch, which was here at home instead of St. Louis and spending my birthday by myself in, in St. Louis. And the team was here or traveling over to St. Louis. I don't know what it was. Maybe they wanted Chilling or some other starter to be the starting pitcher here and leave me with the responsibility to face St. Louis on a decisive third game. That was the game that, that would probably be there, the, the decisive game, whether we were gonna win or not, or let St. Louis make a comeback. I don't know what the strategy was. You come out of the bullpen, you come in, not expecting mm -hmm. to, to be there. I mean. And you looked a little rocky in the beginning of the seventh inning. I mean, the, the Yankees immediately started making Jump, noise. Jumping like, on me, right? Yeah. Was that because you hadn't gone through the preparation? Like you hadn't even been in the mindset of like, I'm going to be pitching tonight? I have my cleats off. off? I'm going to, for the first time, reveal this. I have my cleats off, close to the heater, because I was cold. Uh, and I never thought, never came across my mind that I would go into the game. Oh, my God. And I only had like eight throws before I went into the game. And for starting pitcher, that's not, they switched their minds in the dugout after the inning was almost over. So I only had like eight throws. For a starting pitcher, that's not normal. You, you know, we need our routine, we need our preparation, we need our stretching. And I wasn't thinking I'm going into the game. And just like you, I was shocked to see that I was going to go to the game, especially not even, you know, getting warmed up properly. So you give up these two runs, and then mm -hmm. John Olerud comes to the plate, and he had, yeah. he had hit a home run off you in game two. Mm -hmm. You're out there not having expected to pitch. You didn't get to warm up like you normally do. Your cleats mm -hmm. weren't even on. You give mm -hmm. up two runs. Yankee Stadium is starting to rock. Like, Yankees fans are feeling like, they're going to keep the curse going and like ruin this magical story. What are you going through on the mound? Like, are you, are you saying anything to yourself? I'm actually searching why. Why would you put me in position to fail? But at the same time, I remember I was a free agent. I was going to have to take a pay cut in order for me to stay in Boston. We were probably going to achieve what we wanted to achieve. I don't know if there was some somewhat, you know, a plan to reduce my salary, to put me in position to fail, to get me a little cheaper. I don't know what it was, to be honest. I, I'm still searching, but uh, I, I never held the grudge towards it. At least I was part of the history. I was part of what we did. Yeah. So the, he was fouling off a couple balls, and then Kenny Lofton steals 
second base. And it sounded like that gave some life to, to Yankees fans. I mean, what are you, did that steal bother you? Like what, what mindset were you in as it was getting late in that at bat? No, it didn't bother me. Actually, I, I relied a lot on the lead we had. And I knew that it was just a matter of time until I felt right back in the situation. I felt like I could command better uh, what I had because, like I said before, not making a, an excuse, but I, I didn't warm up properly. And uh, I didn't feel comfortable enough to let it go, first of all, because as you know, it's a picture. You can break a ligament or whatever if you go out there and you try to let it go and you're not properly warm. Oh, so you and, were holding uh, back a little bit early. early I was in holding the back a little bit to, until I get the feel for, for pitching or the feel for, for my body to respond. It sounds like you were angry too. Like you were frustrated and angry that you were in there. Yeah, I was angry because nobody explained to me. Nobody gave me the time. Nobody uh, advised me that I might be in the game. Uh, only if the game was really close and, and it was a do or die situation, I'll pick up the ball. And most of the time, when those situations come, for me being the ace and being the number one guy, uh, I will probably ask to be in the game. So, Pedro, what that last pitch, it's a high fastball, 95 miles an hour, all the route can't even get around. I mean, it's just swinging a miss and, and it's, he's done. Watching it over and over again to get ready to talk to you, it <laughs> felt like there was, there was a lot more than just throwing a baseball in that pitch. Well, like I said, it was a personal way to say, I will see what you have, and I'm going to give you what I have. Let's see who's a special here and who's going to survive this one. As much as I did against Olerud, I always uh, paid my tributes to his abilities. Did you think about what might have been if you gave up four, five, six runs in that inning and, and let the Yankees really back into it and maybe you know people looked at you as, as responsible for losing that series? Uh, I would probably be the next Bill Buckner <laughs> or, or the GOAT or the curse of Pedro, but uh, I, I never felt like I was going to fail. They call it the game of failure. Uh, I don't mind adjusting to one loss or two losses, but I never could live with it. I, I, I was never accustomed to losing. I always thought that I went out there to win. And regardless of how bad you struggle at one point, there's got to be a turning point. It's because I don't know if you remember the previous year. Yeah, we should probably talk a little more about that previous year. The 2003 ALCS is when the Yankees really came to just hate Pedro Martinez. It's game three, and Martinez hits the Yankees' Kareem Garcia in the head with a pitch. And this is over the head of Kareem Garcia, and a foul ball, and Garcia immediately pops up and screams at Martinez. Causing a back and forth between Martinez and the Yankees' dugout. And Martinez now pointing. That's the wrong thing to do. That's inciting right there. In the next inning, Yankees ace Roger Clemens retaliates by nearly hitting Red Sox star Manny Ramirez. And that sparks an all-out brawl, clearing both dugouts. Now Ramirez. That ball's not even close. Yankees coach Don Zimmer, who was 72 years old at that time, charges Martinez, who throws Zimmer onto the ground. Oh, my goodness. 
Don Zimmer and Pedro Martinez. Oh, that's awful. Don Zimmer, a 72-year-old man, went into Pedro Martinez's face, and Pedro Martinez threw him down. Martinez is fined $50,000 and Manny Ramirez $25,000. On the Yankee side, Kareem Garcia and Coach Don Zimmer are fined $10,000 and $5,000. That altercation between Martinez and Zimmer was the biggest story in sports at the time. And as you can imagine, it left Pedro Martinez a bit distracted going into the rest of that 03 series. The incident with Don Zimmer made it really difficult for me and really stressful to go out there. I was under death threats. I was under a lot of pressure from the New York fans. Mayor Bloomberg has said that if I was to step in New York, I was going to go to jail. Uh, My family was left back in here in Boston uh, because of security reasons. So I had a lot in my mind before I took that game seven in all three. And this explains why Red Sox fans were so nervous in 2004. The year before that, the Sox had also faced the Yankees in the Bronx in Game 7. And when Pedro took the mound, things did not go so well for them. Uh, I was on top of that bump, Game 7, pretty much in the same situation. But we were leading the game most of the time. And, and then uh, in the 17th inning, going to the 8th, I started to struggle. And... It is the the biggest heartbreaker I've ever had in my life. It was like, I can't believe we were this close and having me on top of the bump and let it go. It is the only time I felt like really crying like a baby. Wow. But, you know, in game seven, the next year, I was pretty positive that they were probably going to be the ones under pressure, like I was the previous year. Uh, but in, in 04, was totally different. I wasn't starting the game. I had just pitched here in Boston. The hot hand at that moment was Derek Lowe. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty confident he was going to do his part. Now, on the other side, I didn't know if we were going to be able to generate the kind of offense that we were generating at the time or, or we were able to uh, because of being in Yankee Stadium, a uh, decisive game, We have had so many heartbreakers in previous years that I second-guess the entire team and myself whether we were going to be able to get it done. The one thing I will suggest to every athlete out there, and and I'm pretty sure Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson, and everybody, is you cannot face the game afraid to fail. The worst thing that could happen is that you fail. Everything else, you have to look at it in a, in a positive way. You have to think that you are going to succeed. If you go out there and you're the first one fighting with yourself because you feel like you're going to fail, well, the, there's no need for you to compete. You have to get rid of the fear of failure. And that's, that's one advice that I would give any athlete. Get rid of the fail failure because all of us, the one that are called successful, went to a stretch where we had to fail. And nobody can say, I went through my career 
with only success. You are going to fail at a certain point. And you just get rid of that. You just make sure that you don't fail more than you succeed. But the failure is going to go with your career, it's going to go with you, it's going to follow you regardless of how special you are. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or whoever you think you are. You are going to fail at one point. And I was never afraid to do that. You're never afraid to fail. No. It feels like that's even more important. I mean, being a pitcher in critical moments, it feels like such a unique thing in sports. I mean, obviously, like, there's a lot on a sh the shoulders of a quarterback. There's a lot on the shoulders of, a, of an NFL field goal kicker who has to, you know, go out and have one play, everything riding on his back. But, like, you are alone on the mound, on the bump, as you say, like, with a whole team and a, and a city and a franchise riding on the shoulders of you. Is it like anything else? It is very unique. It is very unique. But you are like that big stone surrounded by many more. And there are moments where you are pretty much in a personal way committed to the game. And it's up to you. It's not up to your teammates. It's not up to, to your defense. It is the moment where you need a strikeout with the bases loaded and no space to run, no defense to cover you, nothing else but a strikeout. That's all you need. And that's when you make it personal. Like in a bases loaded situation, and you cannot afford to give up a ground ball. You cannot afford to give up a fly ball. You can literally say, if you don't strike out this guy here, you don't stand a chance. Hmm. You make it personal. That's a moment to make it personal. That's when you really need to be that big stone that's standing in, in, in the middle of all of the rest of the stones that are around you. There are moments where you rely on defense, you rely on your teammates to get it done. But there are moments where you have to make it personal. And bases loaded is one of those situations that doesn't allow you to run away. The lead is one run. And you have to really give yourself the opportunity to compete in a personal way with A-Rod, with Sheffield, with uh, Bernie Williams, those guys, and make it personal. How mm. good are you, Bernie? I'm here to get you. And it's between you and I, this challenge right here. Let's see what you do, because mm. this is the best I have, and I'm going to give it to you. All right, so a lot of controversy, a lot of hatred from Yankees fans, but Pedro Martinez, he's regarded as one of the best to ever pitch in Major League Baseball. But the game, it's changed a lot over the years. And I wanted to know how Pedro thinks he would match up against an all-star like Aaron Judge. I felt like my stuff will play against him. We'll have more when we come back. Pedro, a lot of people look at um, your years from like 97 to 2003 as you being maybe better than any pitcher in the history of, of Major League Baseball. I mean, you're, you're... That's a great compliment, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, and I think it's deserved. Um, you're relatively small compared to a lot of other, you know, historically amazing pitchers. Um, you don't have like a historic fastball. You seem to just have brought something that made you one of the best ever. Like what... 
What was it? And, and how much of it was mental? How much of it was, was physical? What made you so good? It was a combination of all of it. All of the ones you just mentioned. Uh, but I think I had the determination to be as good as I could be. Believe me, the toughest challenge I had wasn't in the big leagues. It was making it to the big leagues. Overcoming all the ads that were against me previous to being successful in the big leagues, previous to being in the big leagues. Ever since I got to the big leagues, I've always been able to be above average. A lot more than above average, we should say, but yeah. Well, I'm, I'm being modest because I, I don't really know the numbers. I don't really look at numbers. Up to this day, I don't know my entire numbers because I, I was just taking one game at a time and trying to prove to the world that I belong, that I wasn't really all that small, like they said, that I could pitch in the big leagues, that I could compete, and that I could be special in the big leagues. And uh, I think that little chip on my shoulder to prove against the world, against all ads, against the hate in New York, against the hate around the league, or some players just hated me. Some players didn't like me. Some players didn't want to see me. Why? Why do you think that was? Uh, I don't know. You need to check up the numbers. But most of the guys that didn't like me had little success <laughs> against me. <laughs> and, they just didn't like that you beat them. <laughs> well, and some of them didn't like that I would hit them. I did hit some of them. Intentionally? Yeah. 98% of my hit-by-pitches were in retaliation or intentional. Why? Because... The moment called for it, I wanted to let you know that you needed to respect what I did. I needed you to understand that if you hit one of mine, I was going to take one of yours. And I, I don't regret anything. I remember being charged to the mound, got my butt kicked on the bottom of the pile. I don't mind that. That's part of the game. I didn't mind anything that went on in baseball except the Zimmer incident. Because that one, I did not deserve I don't know if he deserved it or not, but I did not deserve to have that in my resume because there was no space for that one. But everything else, getting my butt kicked, hitting someone and that someone dropping me on the floor, that was all fair game. Hmm. What would you be like today? I mean, you know, given the recent Aaron Judge home run record in the AL, um, yeah. what, what would it be like to pitch to him and do you feel like that you could, you could beat him with your best stuff? I felt like my stuff would play against him. He was going to get me a couple of times because I, I would attack the strike zone. And it all depends on his mental approach, on how tough or how tough it, mentally he was because I was going to really test him. I was going to go up. Stand on the same way. I was going to go up. It doesn't matter how big and tall they are and how strong they are. I was going to go up. Up with, up with the high fastball? Yeah. I will like you, keep them honest. I was going to keep them honest to be, I, I swear to God, as much as I love them both, I was going to establish that you cannot lean over. And then I would try to do my work around the strike zone with them. It sounds like you, have you fantasized about like, or imagined pitching to, to Aaron Judge? I imagine, yeah. I imagine a lot. And I, I've seen the holes. I've seen how you can get them out. Huh. But you, you also needed to know that you are dealing with the special players, Giancarlo 
and uh, Judge, both of them re deserve a lot of respect. Giancarlo standing there and Judge, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't want to hit them somewhere in the head or whatever. We saw what, what could have happened to Giancarlo when he got hit in the face. If you don't command the strike zone, I would suggest just take your beating and deal with the rest of the guys. Because if you're going to pitch those guys up here and you're going to get them hurt, I'm against it. Because if I'm playing with Giancarlo and, and Judge, and you hit one of my big guys, I'm taking at least three of yours. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I say it with no hesitation. You just don't hurt my players. You hit one of my players, I'm taking yours. And if I didn't secure one of yours, well, I'm going to take a second one. Hmm. Just wow. to make sure. I, I knew this was the case in baseball, but it's, it's, pretty, it's still pretty extraordinary to hear you talk about it with such sort of clear language that this is the way, this is the way it is. I will hit you as a batter if I need to. Yeah, I, I, and I would do that to beat you too. If I needed to hit you because you didn't move your feet from the area that I wanted to establish, well, I have to hit you, but in a safe way. Now, one thing I can tell you, and I take pride on that, I really got command of what I did in the inner part of the plate. Nobody can call you to the side and say, Pedro ever hit me in the head with a fastball. Yeah, I hit you in the ribs. I'll hit you in your legs. I'll hit you in, the, in your butt cheek. But not, not over the head, not above the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Nobody was ever hit by a fastball from me in the head. I learned to command the strike zone and the inner part of the plate, control the inner part of the plate, in order for me to make my living in the other areas of the plate. If you're not qualified to pitch in the inner part of the plate, I suggest you go and practice, you learn, you watch me, you watch Roger Clemens, you watch a lot of those guys that did it for so long, and you, you learn how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, it is extremely dangerous, especially these days where everybody throws 100, to be messing around with someone's career up in the ear flap area. Yeah. If you don't know how to do that, then take your bidding. Go learn. Go learn. Spend time in your backyard practicing. Mm. I heard about Robbie Ray. He went by himself in the backyard and he figured something out because he was really erratic. All of a sudden, something clicked. Well, I would suggest you go and do that before you you attempt to go against a guy like Aaron Judge and you harm his career or you ruin such a special talent and a special ambassador of the game. Pedro, I, I just, I've, um, I do want to ask you about the Dominican Republic. Um, yes. Just reading about your childhood there and playing baseball with socks that were sewn together as balls and brooms for bats. Um, you've talked mm -hmm. about um, what your success means that you want to be a sign of hope for kids growing up in, in Latin America. And I, I just wonder, what, what is the key today? What should we all know is the key for, for a kid you know, in the DR to be able to have the same opportunities that, that you and, and your brother did to, to make it to the big stage? I think it's a matter of opportunities. And I, I do have a foundation. And you know why? Because when I was a little leaguer, I needed around probably 8 to $10 to travel to Puerto Rico. And, uh, you know, at 12, you, you're old enough to remember what you care for, what you want. And as a young athlete at that age, 
I was marked by the fact that my mom couldn't afford to pay for me my trip to Puerto Rico, even though I did so well in the district as a little leaguer. I was never sent to represent. And because of lack of opportunities, I never made it until the second World Baseball Classic in order for me to wear my country's colors. And uh, I think uh, the reason I say I'm a sign of hope is because I went against all ads. And I was able to succeed in, in, in the big leagues. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. I put up some huge numbers against everybody's expectations. And uh, I feel extremely proud to have done that, but it's because I had the opportunity. I was granted an opportunity to be out there. Not too many chances to fail. I must say that, not too many chances to fail, but at least I got one chance to succeed. And that's the one I took advantage of. And that's the reason why I'm talking to you today because I was granted an opportunity and I believed so much in someone taking advantage of that opportunity. So many guys that we have seen, oh, so small, Altuve, uh, David Eckstein. You, you know, how is he doing it? Well, somehow someone took a chance on them and they did it. And look how successful they, they have been. MVPs and all that. Well, it's just a matter of having an opportunity, believing in yourself, believing in something greater than just everybody's thoughts. You have to really set your goals, go and work, be disciplined. Remember, and I'm going to say this, the reason I look better and my numbers look better, you know why it is? Why? Because I think I pitch in the most difficult era in all of baseball. Huh? More difficult than today? More difficult than today. Today is an even, even ground. It's an even ground field. You look around the league and there's no steroids mentioned. As big as judges, as big as Giancarlo Stanton is, they get tested. In my days, steroids were, were legal. So you, I, you, you were up against some guys who, who got some extra help. Oh, believe me. And, and that was really difficult to do. On average, look how long it's taken for Aaron Judge to break this record yeah. that Roger Marys left. By the way, congratulations to him because... It's been a while since we saw someone break the 60 mark in homers. Back yeah. in my days, when I was in the middle of it, in the thick of things, 60 homers were a daily thing that you <laughs> saw at the end of the season. Yeah. So I must tell you that. And that was against all ads. So I'm a sign of hope for every one of them. If, the, if there was someone that was that had enough reasons to use the steroids and become bigger, should have been me. But thanks to God, to, today I can say to all of those guys, if I made it, you can make it. Because I'm not impressive at all, physically. The last question, just to come full circle. I, I think about that 2004 run by the Red Sox. Um, I mean, the bloody sock game, the comeback, the ending the curse and winning the World Series after coming out of that, that ALCS. But it, just listening to you describe being put in in that Game 7, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like, you know, it was complicated for, for you. I just wonder, as you reflect back, like it was your last year in Boston, but a championship that meant everything to that city and the franchise. Like, how do you reflect on that, that year personally in your career? 
I, I, say, I say it in a positive way. Whether it was to harm my free agency or whatever, whatever thought there was or whatever thought came across my mind, um, I can tell you winning in New York, having the opportunity to raise the trophy, having the opportunity to be part of that game seven that won it for us in New York, for me to take the trophy and run to their dugout, right field side, center field side, left field side and third base side and rub on them how we beat them after having the heartbreaker the year before and how much they laugh and how much joy there was. I wanted to see them cry too and get the feel that I had from all three. And whether it was negative as far as results, I see it in a positive way because I was part of that game. And not only that, after that, I was part of the, the team that brought the trophy to Boston. And I was the first one to be in the front of the door of the bus and put the trophy in the city of Boston. And when I got off the plane, I had it. When I got to the bus, I had it. And then when I was about to get off from the bus, I had Ellis Burks, who was retiring that year, step in front of Fenway, and I handed the trophy to Ellis Burks in the city of Boston. And that is, to me, my biggest trophy, my biggest achievement. The individual stuff don't matter. Numbers don't matter. I came over to complete a mission, mission accomplished. For whatever reason, whatever happened, it's all in the back. The championship was what I came to get for Boston, and I got it. And that's, that's my biggest achievement in sports. Pedro, it is a true honor talking to you, and uh, I, I wish you the best, and thank you so much. Well, the honor is mine to have shared these, these thoughts and, and moments with all of you and, and the fans that are going to be watching this. Thank you, guys. That was former Boston Red Sox pitcher and Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez. And I'll tell you, it's enough to be able to sit down and chat with a Hall of Famer, one of the best pitchers to ever play the game. I still cannot get over that that Game 7, which I remember so vividly, every bit of it, watching that stadium in the Bronx erupt, watching them look at Pedro on the mound and feel like they had a chance, that they were going to come back in a Game 7 again. Pedro's out there trying to lock it down and he had no idea he was even going to be in that moment. Crazy. All right. To find out more about our upcoming interviews, follow Religion of Sports on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can follow me. I am at Fearless Green. That is Fearless underscore Green with an E on the end. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. In the Moment is produced by Sarah McCrory. Sound design and mixing by Michael Raphael and Jocelyn Gonzalez at PRX Productions. Britt Kahn is our talent booker. Our production manager is BJ Olin. Story research by Joe Levin. Kevin Sullivan edited this episode and is head of talk. Gotham Chopra, Amit Sankaran, and Adam Schlossman are our executive producers. Fearless Media is our consulting producer. And special thanks to Teresa Tran. In the Moment is a production of Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green, and we're going to be back next week with another athlete and their moment.